0: I guess James will come up. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Celebrate the presence of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. Celebrate the presence of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Celebrate the presence of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Celebrate the presence of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, celebrate.
1: can be seated well then you can stand up uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't hurt yourself <laughs> don't encourage him <sighs> they wrong encouragement <sighs> oh my goodness this is your fault you're influencing her aren't you yes when in doubt we're blaming the teenagers all right Give you're closer. Someone has to. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Last week we kind of had our sort of getting back into the swing of things, so this week we are getting back into the swing of things, and so we are going to do something that we have not done since March, and celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. I'm going to go ahead and warn you, we're going to do this a little different than we normally have done, and that is just because for at least this month and maybe even into next month, we're going to be overly cautious where we can. So that's why we didn't take up an offering last week. We won't take up one this week if you'd like to worship through giving. The plates are right back there in the corner and you can do that on your way in or on your way out, however you would like. But we're trying to avoid as much communal thing or as many communal things as possible. So no passing of plates, no touching stuff that everybody else has had their hands all over. That way we are smart and safe as possible as we can possibly be. So what I'm going to explain this is in a minute I'm going to pray and while we have a song going on I'm going to ask that you would calmly, if you are able, make your way to the back, partake of the bread, of the juice, return your cup right where you got it, and then return to your seat. I would ask that you do that from the back to the front. Does that make sense? You're adults, you can look around and figure out when the row behind you has gone and the people, I know a few of you are next to other rows, I think you can kind of look and give a nod and like you do at a four-way stop sign, when everybody gets there and you just go, (laughs) you know this is i have never seen so many four-way stops in all my life until i moved to illinois we don't have them Uh, in north carolina they don't exist you get here and it's like why does no one have the right of way but anyway that's a completely different discussion Mm. for another day i'm telling you it's it's brutal so does that make sense is anybody confused if you are not able to make your way to the back and you would like to ask someone around you if they could bring you one that is up to you not me (laughs) but I'm not going to make you have to grab something that someone has passed. So, with that said, hopefully as we begin to return to what actual normal should be, which for the Christian should have always been an attitude of worship and of service, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your blessings and your mercies no matter what befalls us in this world. That in the face of strife, In the face of unrest, in the face of disease, that your church stands firm, that your spirit does not leave, your word does not fail, and your mercy does not forsake. That no matter what happens, what we face, whether we turn on the news or as we travel through this world, that we can be secure in you, knowing that our hearts are grounded, our minds are clear, and our souls are preserved with you. Lord, we'd ask that as we partake in this time, that even though it is not how we would normally do it, that you would bless this moment, that you would strengthen our hearts for service in what is your kingdom and not our world, longing for the day when you return, rejoicing in the interim, being the people you've called us to be, disciples, learning your word, being grounded and proclaiming the truth of all that you are and all that you have done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen you would start with the uh, the back rows and you guys can begin to make your way. in again, if you would, just partake while you are there.
2: For all that you've done I will thank you for all that you're going to do for all all that has carried me through Jesus I thank
1: Stop, guys Amen. now when the disciples finished this with Jesus they uh, sang a hymn before they went out so every time we conclude i think there's nothing more appropriate we can do than stand and sing
0: there is a redeemer jesus god gone Son Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my redeemer, name of all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah. Oh, for sinners slain. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son, and leaving us your Spirit till the world when i stand in glory i will see his face and serve now serve my king forever in that holy place thank you oh my. Father. Son. and even thus your spirit till the work on earth is done. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own son. Precious Lamb of
2: God,
0: Messiah, Holy One, thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving us your Spirit till. The work on earth is done. And leaving us your spirit till your work on earth is done.
1: All right, you guys can be seated. Hey, we're not going to do this joke every time. We're just not. I'll have Carrie get the other leg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, If if you don't know and you haven't been told yet, um, remember in your prayers this week, James goes Tuesday. He fell and twisted his knee enough where he actually broke his leg below the knee. So he goes Tuesday with the appointment for the orthopedic surgeon, and hopefully Wednesday they're actually going to set it because by then the swelling should go down. You know, you did a good job when it's too swollen to actually reset broken bones. So, so if you go by, make sure you pat him on the the left leg. <laughs> See, it's a good job, good job. Left. Okay, we'll go to the shoulder then. All right. So, uh, another update. Yeah, don't don't give Daryl any ideas. Don't give Carrie any ideas. Um, or yeah, there you go. Don't give Ginger any ideas. Um, update on clark if you did not know clark fell at home the other day and basically landed right on his knee um was doing okay talked to his doctor but it just started swelling on him and it wouldn't the swelling wouldn't really stop so eventually by the time his doctor's office was closed when he decided he needed to do something about it so he called the uh, rescue squad they came and took him he's at uh, swede's They were ready to send him home. They thought the swelling had kind of abated, but they kept taking his blood pressure and they thought the machine was broken because it kept giving them a bad reading. I think the last reading they had was about 60 over 40 or something like that for his blood pressure. Finally, the nurse goes, after the fifth time, the machine can't be broken. And they realize it's not that he was swelling. His blood pressure pressure was low because he was bleeding in the knee so they got that situated and taken care of and now it's just a matter of all of his blood counts and levels and things have to go back up we uh we called him this morning and as we called him they were literally picking him out of the bed to get him to start walking around so his uh, blood pressure's back up his uh blood counts going back up as long as he can walk without his blood pressure dropping he can hopefully go home either this afternoon or tomorrow morning so (laughs) an eventful weekend everybody decided to pick this weekend to go to the hospital so
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's I'm trying to think yeah you did yours first i think i think yeah clark copied you i think you went first um other announcement excuse me uh nursery schedule we where is that posted again i can't point directions it's over here and if there's a mistake on it or you need to have your name taken off of it or adjust the schedule let elena know she's the one who made the schedule based on what we had before so if you are unable to to take your nursery date, then let Elena know, and we will get that adjusted and worked out. So in the short term, as people are able to kind of come and go and, and be back in our service, please keep a check on that. And if you notice that somebody is up there, and like in case we don't notice that somebody is up there for nursery duty that like hasn't been here because they're still staying home, then and that's fine. Just let us know so we can make sure we cover that. If we can't, we can go ahead, parents, we've got a secondary option going on. Um, we've made a little kids' corner in the back. There's some kids' books, some coloring stuff. So if your kids up, up through school age are here, children, and I'm talking to mine as well, if you can sit quietly, i maybe actually talking talk to Jonathan too, if you can sit quietly <laughs> <laughs> and color without making a disturbance, but accurate. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: If you can color and read quietly without disturbing everyone, then you are welcome to do that. If you can't, we'll go find Ginger. <laughs> That's how that goes right yeah. yep yes you are <laughs> all right anything else that i'm forgetting oh oh, oh oh next sunday i will have um updated financial info for you guys for the year elena got it from um simplify the, the accounting firm and so they've sent it to us for the last three months all the year-to-date stuff and i will get that posted on the bulletin board and have that set up And that way you guys can kind of see what's been going on as far as all of our books and records for the last couple of months is nobody's been around to see it. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's almost like the last, part of me wants to just pretend like April and May didn't happen and just, you know, like, like we went from March to today, but I can't because I lived it. So got to remember to fill in the gaps as we go. So if there's nothing else that I'm forgetting, then the last thing is which judge of Israel made up riddles? Samson, no, that, you're supposed to say that one out loud. Yes, that was the one you're supposed to say out loud. Now, who did the homework and actually read the chapters in Judges? Ooh, okay. My favorite Sunday school question, because we always ask this one in Sunday school and we always give the kids credit for a wrong answer. So you ready? So from, I gotta make sure I didn't say, how do you phrase this question properly? From where did Samson get his strength? That's the wrong Sunday school answer. See, when in doubt, you always yell Jesus, right? I wasn't. Did you, did you do the reading? Then you don't get to answer. See, that's what I knew somebody was going to say, his hair. Now, believe it or not, James, you're, you're, you're basically right, because where does, the, where does the power really come from? It yes. comes from God. The hair is the last straw. So if you didn't do the homework last week, do it this week read the story of samson and judges and while you're at it before you read that read numbers chapter six you will learn about the Nazarite vow and the reason that becomes important is a Nazarite was someone set apart for service to god and there were rules for keeping your vow the first one is no razor should ever touch your hair no contact with a dead body no wine these are all important things because if you did any of them then you were supposed to shave your hair and begin again. So you would purify and start over. Now think through Samson's life. Yeah, where did he get the honey that he ate? Anybody remember that one? It was in a lion's carcass. Now, lion's carcasses are what, alive or dead? Contact with a dead body. This is a violation of his vow. What should he have done? He should have started over. He gets married. What does he do at his own wedding? He, he, how much? He gets drunk. You can't get drunk without drinking the wine, which means he has violated his vow. He should have done what? should have cut the hair and started over. This is part of the, the uh, lesson of the life of Samson, that um, there's, just, there's just nothing that this man gets right. So the cutting of the hair is merely the last straw. The Spirit of the Lord leaves him because that's the last straw. Now he's beginning the purification again. Now, there's a second part of this. Who do you think Samson is a type of? He's a picture of Christ. He is a suffering servant redeemer of the people of Israel. Think through, how does Samson ultimately die? Leaning between two pillars. This Is, is he a good type? No, Samson is not one we look up to. But he is still a picture of the redeeming work of Christ. By his sacrifice, he defeats the enemies of God and redeems the people. See, there's all these little pictures going on. Now now you want to go home and read Judges, don't you? See? I knew I was going to get you guys to read Judges. All right. Number six. I didn't give it away. Go me. I almost did. Because you got to read it anyway. Where did, don't shout, don't shout this one out loud. Where did Samson die? I want specifics here, not because I, I gave you part of it, but I want to know specific stuff, because again, this leads all into the same story, and again, if you're confused, reason for the question down at the bottom, not so you guys just have tons of Bible knowledge, but so that you actually can know what to do with stuff. We want to get beyond knowledge and get to wisdom. All right, anything else I'm forgetting? Vern, is there one thing I'm forgetting, or should we go on? We're good? All right. Just thought I'd make sure. (laughs) Yes, I'm asking him. It was up to him. I'm giving him final say, and he's made a decision. If that's the case, then I'm going to stop rambling, and we will stand and sing.
0: When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, What a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey.
1: For there's no
0: other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey Not a shadow can rise Not a cloud in the sky But a smile quickly drives it away Not a doubt nor a fear Not a sigh nor a tear Can abide while we trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey Then in fellowships we We will sit at His feet Or we'll walk by His side in the way What He says we will do Where He sends we will go Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and obey
3: A farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher, riding on a midnight bus, bound from Mexico. One was headed for vacation, one for higher education, and two of them were searching for lost souls. That driver never, ever saw a stop sign. 18-wheelers can't stop on a dime. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. While there's not four of them, heaven only knows. Guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go that farmer left the harvest a home in eighty acres A faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart that teacher left their wisdom in the minds of lots of children did her best to give them all a better start that preacher whispered can't you see the promised land Laid his bloodstained Bible in that hookers hand. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Father's not for them, heaven only knows. I guess it's now what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go that's the story that our preacher told last sunday as he held his blood-stained bible up for all of us to see so bless the farmer the teacher and the preacher who gave this bible to my mama who read it to me Three wooden crosses on the right side of the way. While there's not four of them, and I guess we know. It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. What you leave behind you when you go. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the the how
1: Told both, told both water bottles to stay put. So, see if they listen. I'm not hopeful. All righty then. We are still in First Thessalonians five. We will be there for one more week, and then we'll be done with the book. And then it'll be Father's Day, and then we will start another book. No, I'm still not telling. Mainly because I don't want you guys to like panic and freak out. But if I've if I've outlined it correctly. I think the book we begin will run through most of uh, next year. So nice, big, long book—something fun to do. Again, not telling yet. Nope, no, I'm not—I'm not that much of a glutton for punishment yet. Yet, I have considered the Book of Revelation, but I'm—I'm I'm not ready yet. We'll get the—if we ever get to to Sunday school again, we will eventually get there. So, yeah, we, we will get there at some point. So. Where we are here, in light of the beginning of the end, which is what we've spent two weeks on with the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, how now, brown cow? What do we do now that we know that we are living for a world that is to come? We have a future dwelling with God. We have a knowledge of his judgment, and we have a security in Christ. So what do I do with that knowledge? That's why there's a rest of the book, (laughs) and that's what goes on here. So, what does the expectant faithful life in Christ look like? That is what this section of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 looks like. So, let's read verses 12 through 22. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, Abstain from every form of evil. Told you there was a how-to in there. So let's rewind and just dive right into it. We were—we request. I dare you to go home and say that three times fast. We request. Yeah, your brain's going. Eh, eh. We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Now, it's one of those times when I'm going to point out that they—they they got this one wrong. A group of PhDs sat in the room, and I think they translated this one wrong because I think it kind of misses the boat a little bit. Well, I, I like this because I'm, I'm one of those who diligently labors among you, I, I, I want to be appreciated. That's not exactly what it says. The, uh, the, the word that we translate appreciate is edinai, which literally means to see. Now that changes things. We request of you, brethren, that you see those who diligently labor among you. In order to see me, what do you have to do? <laughs> you, have to, you have to be here, and you have to actually look. Now, do they just mean here? No. Like, if I go, well, I've seen my wife. You're like, oh, really? When was that? That's a crazy question, because when should I see my wife? If I'm at home <laughs> every day. If I'm, if I'm not seeing my wife, then what do you know about me? I'm not home. not where she is. And that's the key thing. I'm not where... She is, and vice versa. So in order to see me, we actually have to be living in a world, what's the big fancy theological word? Together. This is part of the command. There's a reason for this request. Rewind to uh, 1 Timothy 3. Actually, uh, historically speaking, it would be fast forward to 1 Timothy 3. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he aspires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Here's the fun list. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. If a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. That's a heck of a list, isn't it? What part of life gets left out there? It's home, work, community. In order for these things to be the case, what, where do we all have to kind of be? In about the same place, knowing each other, living lives that are working, again, big fancy theological word, together. Now, why is this important? We don't want hypocrites. Now, see, you nailed it. There's a, same li- a similar list in Titus. Let's borrow that one, Titus chapter one the overseer must be above reproaches, God's steward, not self-will, not quick temper, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fine of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible just about, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. See, here's the key. Whether it's me, whether it's one of your deacons, whether it's a sunday school teacher whether it's the wise old gentleman in the church i'm not going to look at anybody so you don't get your conceitedness up (laughs) old men there you go i I think you'd like that one what do you need to have with them you need trust that when they tell you something it is true which is why if you have a bible teacher a sunday school teacher a deacon in the church a wise elder of the body that you do not trust catch this don't listen to them and if you're paying someone that you don't trust stop doing that (laughs) so when you get to the point that you don't trust me stop paying and do the uh, football drop kick and go bye because if you can't trust me you shouldn't listen to me when i explain scripture this is kind of one of those does of life but we get really messed up in church simply because you you end up with one of two churches and and I've been around both of them and and it's weird because they're so far in opposites is you get the one that whatever the pastor says that's just that is no no don't no don't do that don't do that ask questions if you can't ask questions run fast far far away but then the flip side of it is everything the man says we nitpick to death that's a bad idea too because you should be able to trust something in judgment. Why should you be able to trust something in his judgment? Because you're seeing has he, how he diligently labors and how he instructs. You're seeing the fruit. You're seeing the consistency. This is, again, why hopping from church to church is such a detriment to the modern American church. Because if you can't be settled, what can't you do? One of my uh, seminary professors... Um, can't ever remember his first name. Dr. Brown was a professor of evangelism. Yes, that's a thing. Um, his favorite thing was, you need to stay in a church at least five years because it won't be until year four that you know who the drug dealer in your congregation is. <laughs> it's just like, what? He's like, yeah, it'll be year four before you realize that sweet old Aunt Sally is selling drugs and the cookies that she makes on the weekends. And the reason he used that as an example is he pastored a church outside New Orleans. And it was about his fourth year there that he found out one of his Sunday school teachers was dear old Aunt Sally, and she was actually selling drugs and the cookies that she made. <laughs> and everyone in the congregation knew it, but the pastor. <laughs> and the only reason he found out was because he had been there long enough. What happens? How long can you hide things? See, we think we can hide stuff forever. If you've ever had a cheating spouse or a lying child, you know what? Eventually, the truth comes out. This is again why hopping around is so dangerous because we don't know people and worse, people don't know us. We keep trying to be perfect. We keep trying to be good on the outside. You can't, you know why? Because you're not good. You're not perfect and neither am I, which is again why we walk together. Remember, we've used this a couple of times. Forward march towards Christ, How is that march going to go? Is it a nice, easy downhill slide? No, it's a hard uphill march and slog, which means the more help that we have, the more people dragging, pushing, and pulling, what are we going to get out of this? We're going to get more progress. This is good. This is what's starting here in 1 Thessalonians 5. See them, appreciate them, because you're actually involved in their lives. So, verse 13, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work, live in peace with one another notice what happens if you see a faithful pastor deacon sunday school teacher wise elder of your church exercising faithfully the gifts of god what should you do you should rejoice you should appreciate it we we missed it verse 13 verse 13 (laughs) get to throw my wife under the bus so you esteem them well. We rejoice. I mean, you ever mad at someone you look up to? That's kind of the idea. When you're looking up to someone, how do you feel? Feel good. It's like when you okay, people my age. Let me see. So let's say uh mid to late 40s and under. Remember being a kid and seeing Michael Jordan play basketball? That was that was cool. That was a big deal. Why? Because I can't do that, but he does that. It's like. Or when you're growing up, if you're on a sports team, the one kid who is always just better than everybody else athletically, and you're like, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. Can't be mad when he does that. I want to be mad, but I can't. We rejoice when things go well. This is why we also need to be doing the one another's in church. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Why? Each one is to give the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you are in Christ, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit for ministry and service in his kingdom. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Those are four different lists of spiritual gifts. Start looking through them, figuring out which one you have, and serve. And if we're not doing anything that gives you a way to serve that, let me know, and you can start a way that we can do that because that's how this works the odds are that if you're like well we're not doing this and I'm really passionate about this one we need to start this you know who we is don't you you we is you because you have this gifting if we had someone else who already had this gifting we'd be doing this but since we don't have anyone God has now sent us you that's how this works why for the common good for the common good if I have a gift of prayer but I don't pray for people am I helping no if I have the ability to teach, but I'm not teaching anybody. Am I making anything better? No, this is true of all the gifts. So again, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 2 12s, 2 4s, easy to remember, and go through. And you're like, well, I don't know which one's which. Don't we have an exam? Yes, we have all these lovely spiritual gift inventories. I despise them. You know why? Read the list, see which one you like. Odds are you're gonna be good at the one you actually enjoy and have a disposition when you read, be like, ooh, that sounds like something I can do. Then do that one. So, verse 14, Paul continues. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So, with all of that knowledge, with all of that rejoicing, with all of that serving in accordance with the gifts of the Spirit, we follow the words of the great prophet Yosemite Sam, and we yamuel. Nobody ever gets that joke. so It just hurts me. This is why the admonition of verses 12 and 13 are so important you actually do something with your work in the kingdom now catch that if, you, if how many of you have a job do you get to go to work and like sit and play on your phone all day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what you're saying is you don't actually have a job <laughs> <laughs> see there's a, see i ask that because if they if they are actually paying you to do something you know what they expect for you to do the thing that they're paying you to do. So if you're not doing that thing, whatever it may be, but you're playing on your phone or you're jogging circles around the office, then you're not actually working. Christian, you have been redeemed by God and set to, dirty word I know, work in his kingdom, which means you have been gifted, prepared, and sent out to service, which means you should be actually actively doing something. This is also one of those proofs of salvation. You're like, I I want to do something. What? I don't know, but I want to do something. See, that's a good thing. That's the Spirit giving you one of these deals right here. They'll call the left foot of fellowship. Like, come on, give me. No, not that way. Not that way. There you go. That's okay. Keep going that way. If the Holy Spirit loves you, he will do that on occasion. Just like when your parents, when they loved you, they every once in a while snatched you up, and it was for your own good. It's for your own good, believe it or not. Now, how do I do these things? What's my standard by which I do this? Because this is hard work, isn't it? Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient. Ah, this is where the totality of your New Testament comes into play. Second Timothy three. All Scripture—that means your Bible, Old and New Testament, sixty-six books—is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. See this is the context of our Christian community. We are doing this work based on the what based on what the word tells us, how it instructs us, and therefore we serve. This is simple. Now you see why 12 and 13 have to be the starting point because what was the starting point there? Be happy about good instruction. They're doing hard work. They're laboring to teach you well so that you will Know well so that you will do well. This is why we put that little trivia question in the bulletin. What do I keep saying every week? This is not so you can win Bible charades or you know Bible trivial pursuit. That's just knowledge. What do we want? Wisdom. Knowledge is knowing stuff. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the stuff. So Paul continues, verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good, for one another and for all people. Here's your first step. Where does it start? With whom does it start? Me. No, no, me. No no, 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 me. You see, there's the argument. For you, it starts with you. For me, it starts with me. And thank God you're not me. And I'm not you, because that would be weird the condition of our hearts matters. Who are we on the inside? Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Why? For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, here's your farming analogy. Vernon like this one. So, Vern's doing his work, he's doing everything right, he's planting his fields, and it's awesome. Neighbor has the field right across the street from him. Just a jerk. Doesn't take care of his equipment, doesn't pay his people well, he throws all the weeds that he gets out into Vern's field, he's just not a nice guy. When it rains, does it constantly rain on your field while his field is in drought? No, most of the time when it rains on your field, it rains where? On his, too. Who sent that rain? God did. God's, God could be up there and go, no, 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 no. He's been mean. No, no no rain for you. No, no, you were bad. You don't get any. But most of the time, what does he do? He sends the rain to everyone. When the sun comes out and your plants go, yay, does it? Is it always shadow in his field? No, when it rises on your field, it rises on his field as well. Welcome to the totality of the Christian in the world. A wow. good way to phrase this is a rising tide raises how many boats? All of them all of them. So when God's blessings are in this world, we're talking about general blessings in the world, and believers experience them. Do the evil pagans experience them too? Yes. Why? Because God has not forsaken his creation completely. He has not completely removed his mercy and his blessing from the entirety of creation. Will he? Yes. That's what the beginning of chapter 5 and the end of chapter 4 was about, but he has not yet. Therefore, how do we live? This is where we get back to our big fancy word, sanctification. What is the, What does that mean? What is sanctification? That is the growing in Christ-likeness day by day. That means tomorrow I want to be more like Jesus than I was today. And on Tuesday I want to be more like Jesus than I was on Monday. This is sanctification, growing in holiness, growing in righteousness, growing in mercy, growing in grace, growing in my understanding of what is and is not justice in this world. This is important why because i want to be like christ how does christ deal with this world we just described that the rain and the sun fall on the just and the unjust the rising tide benefits everyone so we want to be in a world where we show grace mercy love charity all those good things to how many people all of them all of them why because our perspective is rightly grounded in god romans chapter 12 never pay back evil for evil to anyone Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That's from Deuteronomy uh, 32, I believe. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is where perspective matters. Why is half of our world burning right now? Because majority of our world doesn't have an understanding of what eternal justice actually is. Christians, for the first mm, three centuries of the faith, were tortured, were executed, were slaughtered. you know have any armies we raised up? you know have any assassins we trained? You you know have any insurrections we led? Zero. Why? We had an eternal view. We had an eternal justice. We saw this world as temporary and passing away rightly, just as the beginning of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians and the end of chapter 4 has been explaining. We had that view. Therefore, we didn't have to worry about what the world did because our kingdom was eternal. Our reward was reserved somewhere else that was not here. Get to that fourth century of the church, and what do we do? We start to come together with the state. Now what happens? Well, the state has power. The state has authority. The state has an army. Now now where can we get our justice? Excuse me. Now we can get it here. And the minute we start thinking we need and must have justice here, guess where we lose the sight of it? We lose sight of it in eternity. Now, as Christians, should we desire our world to be as just as possible? Yes. When we see injustice in the world, what do we do? We say, that is wrong. Rewind, what do we say about 2 Timothy 3? All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. When we see injustice in the world, we point it out and say, that's bad, regardless of which political party does it. (laughs) It won't. Just throw it against the wall real fast. (laughs) That'll stop it. (laughs) The advantage of that is the number of people that you can't see right now who are checking their phones real quick, making sure they're, (laughs) I don't want to be next. I always, see, I always get a good laugh at that because the first sermon I ever preached in a church, five minutes in, I was just kind of getting into a comfortable place where I wasn't paying attention, and, all that stuff, and this phone goes off in the middle of it. You know who was holding it? My mother. <laughs> hey, great. Appreciate it, Mom. So, yeah. So, you live with it. It's over. Doesn't matter who does the injustice. If it's unjust, we say what? That's wrong. No whether it's an unjust killing or whether it's a riot in the street. They are both wrong. We proclaim them as wrong and we seek as much justice as we can now, but we know what? Will any wrong go unpunished? No, none. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Either, either that knee will bow willingly because they have repented of their sins, they have trusted in Christ and they are worshiping before the conquering king who has arrived. That's the end of Revelation. Or, as the Psalms warn you, he will rule them with a rod of iron. If you will not repent, what will happen? Judgment will come. No no evil deed will go unpunished. It will all be dealt with. So as Christians, we can rejoice in this world regardless. That's what we read for communion for Philippians 4. Rejoice when? Always. Because there's nothing in this world that separates me from God. Nothing. So when I can see the injustice in the world, I can point to it rightly. When, be- when people demand injustice from me, I can say, no. No, I will not, I cannot, and you should not. But we've lost that if we lose an eternal perspective. We lose that when we lose the ability to redefine our own hearts in godliness, to examine ourselves, see in the ways that we have gone astray, and return to Christ in repentance. This is gospel living in action. You entered in by asking Jesus to forgive you for your sins, called repentance, turning from them. You sanctify yourself by continuing that process day in and day out, constantly doing the hard work and the evaluation of what am I doing? why am i doing how am i serving the kingdom this is how we live in this world now what does that look like give me something like on the ground paul wrote verse 16 rejoice always all right stop why before christ could i do any of this stuff that he's told me i should be doing thus far Not the first bit of it, Uh, Ephesians chapter two. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. See, I couldn't, I was dead, but in Christ I am now alive. I am free to follow righteousness. Uh, First Peter two puts it this way. Putting aside all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy envy and all slander like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the lord that's a that's a good one how many of you remember crying hungry babies what made them quiet feeding them what else made them quiet you like you could get it for a little while, right? Like you know, you got the pacifier, or we're gonna change the diaper, or we're gonna. Here's your toy. That would buy you how long? Like how many of you remember doing the countdown while you're doing one thing and the spouse or the or the sibling is warming up the bottle? You're like, I'm doing, I can only dance so many times before this thing starts screaming again. Hurry up, because <laughs> you're holding what? It's a loaded weapon. And if you don't give it food going to scream at you again and there is no sound i am convinced that is worse on a parent's ears than that of a screaming child it's your whole brain turns to mush you are incapable of any rational function and it's designed that way by god so that when that child screams you take care of it that's how it works this is how you're actually supposed to be with the word of god in your relationship with christ i need the word. I need the instruction. And if you won't give it to me, (laughs) see, you're laughing because you know what's coming. This goes back to the beginning. If you have a teacher that you don't trust to give you the word, what should you do? Either you got to go or I got to go because you're not going to do it. We're going to have problems. We need the word. We want the word. We require the word as God's people. Why? Because that's how we learn about him. That's how we grow in knowledge of him. That's how we grow in respect of him. And that's how we grow in wisdom in this world, by being grounded in this. This is how God has wired those of us who were dead and are now alive. Keep going in Ephesians 2. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and having raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, God has done this. He has remade us in the image of his Son, and he is remaking us day by day in that image. That's why we laugh, but that's why I use the example I use the Holy Spirit. You're going the wrong way. Holy Spirit's where? Nope, nope, stop it. Stop it ah there we go now we're moving in the right direction and the minute you start going the other way what do we do we play the same song and dance over and over that's when people like to go i just constantly feel like god is just correcting me always stop doing wrong things because that's what the holy spirit's telling you and rejoice like why don't you spank unruly children in walmart that belong to other people i'm serious now why would you get arrested because they're not your children, therefore you don't snatch them up and tell them you will not act like that in public. Who do you do that to? <laughs> You'd like to, but they're not yours either. No, you do that to your children. Why? And look, you've all had this conversation. See, I don't let you act like that because I love you. See, you've you've given them that guilt trip, right? You see, you're like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Welcome to the Holy Spirit. He's disciplining you, why? Because you're his, and he loves you. Discipline from God is actually proof of salvation. It's good news for the believer. God loved me enough to spank me, yes. See why, because that's wisdom. Those of you that had teachers that were hard on you in high school, hated those people, despised them. Look back 10, 15 years, who were your best teachers? typically the ones you hated. Why? Because they actually expected something from you. And in your wisdom and maturity, you look back and go, man, they actually cared what I did and how I acted and what became of me. it! Believe it or not, you get to know her. I think that's why Ginger can be like she is. Those kids on her bus, what does she want from them? She wants them, not, not just for her, she wants them to have that respect and love for who? She cares about those kids. Therefore, when they act out of line, she does what? No, you don't act like that, because I will not let you act like that, because I expect more from you. God does this in the exact same way. It's a proof. He has undone the old nature. He has pulled it out of the swamp. He has set it upon the king's highway. This is Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't looked for it, like on YouTube or something, or gotten the book, get it. You will cry. It's awesome. But he has pulled you out of the swamp, set you on the king's highway, and put you on your way to the celestial city of heaven. 1 Peter 1, blessed be the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So because I have that, because he has done that, I rejoice in which part of my life? Every part of my life. I pray without ceasing. Any of that screams self-reliance to you? Any of what we just talked to is be like, I got this, I can do it. No, no, you can't. You were dead and now you are alive because of God. Therefore, you are dependent. Now, if you are dependent, what does that mean? It means you need help. What means has God given us to ask him for his help? He's given us prayer. The Holy Spirit takes our concerns before the Son. The Son sits at the right hand of the Father and says, that one's mine. Listen to this concern. And our concerns and prayers are heard by God. We are dead here. We are alive in Christ. Therefore, we lean on him. This is what Paul's talking about. Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, He's done that, and he has given me a means by which I contact. Therefore, I pray. When? See, this is a good lesson. How How many times have you kicked yourself at the end of the day because somebody asked you to pray for something and you forgot? And then you're like, I need to pray for that. And then somebody says something to you and then you wake up the next morning and go, I'm a terrible person. I forgot twice. See, this is me. So when you call me or you send me a text message and say to pray for something, you know what I do? I stop everything that I'm doing if possible and I pray right then. Because if I don't, children, dog, somebody else will break a leg. You know, I mean, we'll have multiple, you know, (laughs) see at least you're at least you're awake it's something will happen and it'll just be like not to mention the fact that you know it's it's cobwebs and tumbleweeds up there most of the time anyway so there's a good chance i'm going to forget who i am much less who anything else is going on so i do it then this is good training this is good training you see some fool run through the red light you know what you need to do pray for that man he needs it Because if i don't but two more lights i'm gonna see the sirens going by and and nobody wants that see this is a training boy because i can't i can't fix the leg i can't get clark out of the hospital i can't make a pandemic end i can't end a riot i can't do any of that but god can and that's part of the lesson here is just how how powerless have you felt for the last three months You just felt like the world has got this, you're you're the whack-a-mole, right? You pop up and the world's like, gotcha. You're like, okay. (laughs) We're the mole and the universe seems to have the hammer. That's good. It's good because that's how this world is. We don't get the hammer, but God does. And the dependence is, God, I'm just gonna keep picking holes until, wait a minute no i'm not god where am i supposed to be popping up right here please don't let there be a hammer go left thank you (laughs) that's how this is supposed to work you are dependent and the beauty of this is he commands you to do this because he actually listens to you because of the work that has been accomplished this is hebrews 4. since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, and yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, we don't go before the throne of God and go. Um, excuse me, um, can, guys, can can I sneak by real quick? Can I? You know, I have a question. I'd like to. No, we show up. We talked about this on Wednesday. We don't even have to go, no, 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 I'm, I'm on the list. If, if you would go ask Jesus, I, you'll find my name. I, I'm, I'm up there with him. See, just, just check. I'll wait. Check. Okay, I'll wait. No, when we get there, Jesus goes, oh, he's mine, let him in. And we're in. Why? Not because of us, but because of Christ. And when we bring our concern, it's not like God is going, how, why, What? what are these people doing? Because Jesus is what? tempted in all ways as we are and yet without sin he understands that we have fallen because he was tempted but he did not fall therefore he actually has the way of escape he actually has the cure he actually has the righteousness to be presented before us by means of the holy spirit he can give us the ability to overcome if we would do what ask that's the breakdown we get dependent on us we lose our dependence on god And when we do that, we see the world for the broken mess that it is and we lose our peace and then we lose our joy because we don't have it. Because who are we who's trying to solve all the world's problems? I am. If you people would just listen to me, you wouldn't If you people would listen to God, now we're getting somewhere. Well, how do I listen to God? What does that look like? Ah, see, now I have a life to show you. Now here's where I made wrong mistake. Don't turn, don't make that turn. Stay here. And then we fall. and we lay out. This is again why we need wise elderly people in our congregation. They are good for us because they can go, "Don't don't do that. That's dumb." And what's the rule? Just making sure nobody's forgotten. That's the, that's the rule. Don't do dumb things. When we see that and they go, "That's dumb. Don't do that." We walk. We don't have to fall into that pit. We'll fall into another one, I promise you, but we don't have to fall into that one. Paul continues, verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for, the, for this is God's will for you in... If I could speak English suddenly. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, this spurs me on. I give thanks in everything. Looking where? If I'm giving thanks, who am I not focused on? Me. I'm focused on who? Christ. See, this is, this is your command. Hebrews 12 since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us lay aside every encumbrance lay aside the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of faith before the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame sat down at the right hand of the throne of god this is one of those great lessons we uh we, we teach uh, football players you know you have to teach Every kid who plays football, the minute you give him the ball, sounds so crazy, but you actually have to teach this. Now, after we teach him how to hold it, once he starts running, you hand it off and the kid breaks through the line and he's in the open field and he's going. You know what we have to teach every kid not to do? We have to teach him to not look for the people who are tackling him. It sounds crazy because if you're running for the end zone, you know what every kid does? (laughs) Every one of them. I've never seen one not do it. We have to teach them to not look at the people chasing you. Do you know why we teach them that? You run faster if you actually look where you're going. Because if I'm running as fast as I can and I do this, you know what I do by nature? I slow down. See, you're you're laughing. Yeah, you you, you run quickly. Just go. They'll get there eventually or you'll score a touchdown and be okay. But why do we want them to do this? Because we want them to run quickly. Christian, there's your example. If I'm going towards Jesus, but I'm looking at other things, this will not end well. Think about this. How many of you have ever piloted a boat on water? You look right at the water right in front of you, right? No, see, water's miserable because there's no lines. Like in, They teach you this in driver's ed. You're supposed to look where in driver's ed? Out ahead. Because if you look right over the nose of the car, you drive like this. But now imagine if you're in a boat and you don't have any bearing, there's no lanes. So what they tell you is you pick an object where you want to go and you focus on that because you will by nature make your small corrections as long as you keep your focus and you'll end up going where you want to go. If you start doing this number, this doesn't end well. Keep your eyes up. Christian walk, it's the same same manner. We keep our eyes where? Focused on Christ. That's where I want to go. That's what I want to look like. I don't want to look like that, so I'm not going to. Look at that. Going to look at that. In everything, give thanks. If you're giving thanks, you're rejoicing, you're praying. Guess where you're looking? At Christ. You're not wallowing in your sin. Do not quench the Spirit. Because again, I am wary of myself because I am not self-reliant. I am dependent. I need God to work. So I need to be plugging in as much as possible. Ephesians 5. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ." Ephesians 5 got us back to the one another's because are you on this road by yourself? No, you have fellow believers walking, encouraging, pushing, prodding, pulling, helping the Holy Spirit going nope. <laughs>
2: there
1: we go good job I trust, I lean, and by doing this, what will my produce look like? What will it be? Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit is what? love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control that's what the work of the spirit does in my life but it only does it if i do what actually engage in righteous living and then finally do not despise prophetic utterances all right how many of you remember geometry class we're going to do an extended proof (laughs) remember those things your geometry teacher made you learn so you could learn all these formulas yeah we all hated them for it Uh uh-huh You're welcome. Here's how we're going to summarize this whole section. You ready? I know my leadership and the teachers of my church who are the wise people. Because I know them and I trust them, because I see their lives, therefore I trust their teachings. And because I trust their teachings and I follow them, I am being built up in godliness as they work hand in hand with the Holy Spirit in my life. And because I am being built up, I am also grounded in God's word, able to confront the struggles and trials of this world. All of this builds together. And that's why this this verse is not some weird, you know, you need to expect me to start getting the download from heaven, and then send it out to you. No, we're talking about what? Right teaching in accordance with godliness. That should come from people that you trust and know because you are being built up and strengthened. And this is what Peter even pointed you to. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We have the prophetic word made more certain to which you do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. When Peter was talking about that, who was he talking about? The men moved from the Holy Spirit, speaking from God. He was talking about what we would call the Old Testament. See, Peter starts out that section saying, I was on the mountain. I saw the shining and I heard the voice. So how does Peter know this is all true? Because let's be honest, if you and I were there, what would we be telling everybody? How do we know this is true? So I was there. I saw it. Peter goes, yeah, that's awesome. But we have the word made more certain. We have those prophetic utterances of the prophets. We have the writings of Moses. We have those things. The word from heaven, all it did was point me back to the things that are already true because they're the same word. And that's why he continues talking about Paul writing scripture, understanding his own writings as being authoritative, because they knew what they were writing. They knew what they were giving. This is what we mean. This is what we mean. What's the final word from God to us in this world? God, in long days past, spoke to us in prophets and in many ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us in his son. It's Hebrews 1. The final, full revelation of God is his son. It is Christ. Now, how do I know about Christ? They put it in a book. They wrote it down for us so that we would be without excuse. We would know. and Because all of that is true and good, Paul can conclude. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. If you remember last week, our Reader's Digest Paul was what? Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. As Ephesians 5.11. When you see wrong in this world, you say what? That's wrong. When you see good in this world, you say, that's good. When I know what is good, I try to do that which is good, because that is godly living. How do I do that? What's my standard? 1 John 4. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Now, that doesn't mean they walked up to you and go, Jesus has come in the flesh, I am from God. No, because if you actually think Jesus has come in the flesh, what will you have a good, healthy fear of? His return. And you will be Redeemed. You will be bought back. You will be different. You will not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. You will expose them. You will rejoice in righteousness. You will pray. You will serve. You will have peace in this world. These things will be growing. They may not be all there right the second, but they will be growing, maturing, and spurring you on to completion in Christ. The unbeliever doesn't have these things. So they'll pretend for a while, and then what will eventually happen They'll get found out, which goes back to the beginning, why you need to know what about the people around you. Who they are. Where do they live? What's it look like? We walk together. This is not a new standard. This is the standard that Jesus taught, John 5. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify of me. That's what Jesus put. You look for the word. The word was pointing to his work. That's why we say he's the final revelation. He's the confirmation. You can't understand the Old Testament unless you understand Christ. You can't. It won't make any sense because the Old Testament is pointing to something that has not come when it is concluded. That something is Christ. That's why I point out, what is Samson a picture of? He's a broken picture, but he's a picture of Christ. What is Israel a picture of? They're a broken picture but they're a picture of christ what is joseph a picture of what is moses a picture of what is david solomon what are the what are they pictures of what are the prophets pictures of they are showing you a messiah who is to come a redeemer like joseph a deliverer like moses a king to rule like david the wisdom and might of solomon the teachings of the prophets all of these things rightly pointing to christ Luke 24, he said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. See, I'm not making this up. That's what Jesus said. All that stuff pointed to me. And that's what we follow. We are secure. We know. We can hold fast to that which is good because we know what is good because God has confirmed it for us. He has laid down that by which we can exhort, we can reprove, we can correct, and we can train in righteousness. Therefore, we follow the example laid down. Last one. It's a long one, but it's worth it. Acts 10. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses, this is Peter talking, of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people, solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and of the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. There's the message. Every week I tell us we need to be about spreading this message. I do a terrible job, and I'm sorry, of explaining how. And I realized this Wednesday when we're going through our men's Bible study, we got pretty far down a rabbit hole of explaining the systems of this world and how they function. And I can't rehash it now because it took us like 45 minutes. And you're like, no, Mm." (laughs) Things to do here. So I understand. When we go out, when we see, we have to dig down, not just in ourselves, but in the world. And what I mean by that is, Too often we end up in a here or there discussion, whether this was right or wrong, and we end up in this gray area and we lose every single time because what are we trying to change with the person we're arguing? We're trying to change their mind. I want you to agree with me. I want you to change your mind, Christian. They can't, they can't. You have to change their heart. My mind will only change when my heart and my desires change. If you've ever dealt with anybody who's had any kind of addiction, you understand this. Because they can look at you and be like, well, I don't want to drink. Why are you holding a bottle? (laughs) If you don't want to, why are you doing it? Because what are you telling me when you do it? You want to. No, I'll know when you don't want to, because you know what to do with that bottle? You'll get rid of it. It's the same thing in the world. How do we make them want to be different? You can't, but the Holy Spirit can. Why do we think the way that we do? Why is my argument this thing, whatever this thing might be? Because this is the thing that is grounded on Christ. This is the thing that is grounded upon the world. This is why I do this with my family, because this is how I'm honoring God. This is why I do this thing at work, because this is how I'm honoring God. Why are you so concerned with honoring God? Let me tell you what he has done. See, now we're at a place where we can change hearts and minds. We are able to give a promise. But this doesn't work if we aren't grounded. If we don't have peace, if we don't have joy, if we are not in prayer, grounded in the word, living out the correction of the spirit in our lives. Because all we're saying is, yeah, I'm just like you, but I got some fire insurance at the end here. No, can't, won't, doesn't work that way. We must be about the work of thinking through our lives. Why do I do this? Because if I'm not actually honoring God doing this, you know what I need to do? Something else. I don't know what it might be, but something else. Because this is how we live and function. And if we're not able to get down to those foundational levels, how we live our lives, how we interact with our family, what we do, then we are not able to proclaim christ rightly as the cure for what ails the world the world's problems are not up here it's not in what they're doing it's in why they're doing them and we can only correct that if we know why we're doing what we are doing that's where the wisdom of this comes into play that's where we take the knowledge that paul is given and we actually apply it to our day-to-day lives i don't have joy in x y or z then you need to find out why not. You need to find out where the fear, where the resentment comes from, and you need to kill it. Kill it so that you have joy in Christ in that thing. If you can't, then find something else to do other than that thing. If there is something keeping you from a prayer life, from being able to do the work of actually talking to the Savior who died for you, then you need to be about killing the thing that is stopping you. If we are not able to grow in knowledge of the world then whatever is stopping you from going into knowledge it got to go now because if you haven't figured out the world isn't going to get better it can't it doesn't have a means of getting better but we do if we rightly proclaim christ if we rightly point to the kingdom, and if we rightly repent of our sins and trust in the work that he is doing day in and day out, because he hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forsaken. With all the calamity going on in this world, what do we get to do today? (laughs) Do you know how many people I heard this morning go, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good. It's like it's like the Ren and Stimpy hour again. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, take that out. We have peace, joy, and security in the fellowship of God's people. We should have that not just here, but everywhere. Oh, I'm out of time. You hear it? (laughs) Somebody's got to take their medicine. (laughs) You know where the truth is. You know what the truth is, and you know what in your life is false. I urge you, as Paul would, to do that evaluating work so that you would root it out and be servants that are glorifying God's kingdom. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you. Thank you that in the midst of the craziness of this world, that in you we have peace. In you we have safety and security. In you we have hope and a future. Lord, strengthen us to live for that each day. Strengthen us to proclaim that every day. Guard us, protect us, that no matter what befalls us in this place, that our hearts would be secure in you, that our hope would be in you, so that our joy would be unending, and our lives would be a testimony to your great mercy and grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: For I give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. And now let the weak say I am strong Because of what the Lord has done for us Give thanks with a grateful heart Give thanks to the Holy One Give thanks because He's given us Jesus Christ is son. Give thanks
1: with the grateful.
0: Lord. Give thanks to the holy One. Give thanks because He's given up Jesus Christ his son and now let the weep say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us and now let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich
1: because
0: of what the Lord has done for us give thanks.
1: Um, a couple people have asked me real quick, so I said we're not doing uh, benevolent this month. We are so far we're we're good. And again, I don't want to create congregation points if we don't have to. So we'll talk about that next month. Remember to be in prayer for James this week and Clark. And if anything else comes along, if you're on your own if you go to the hospital because that's been one of the aggravations. Both Mike and I said we go see Clark, but we can't can't see him. So hopefully he gets home and gets straightened out. So just remember those things as the week goes along. And a couple people asked me about Sunday School this morning. As I get information, I will send it out as much as I can, Facebook in various ways. So we will let you know. Let's pray. Again, Lord, as we leave, ground us in your word that we would know you, that we would know how to respond and live in this world, and that we would be faithful servants in your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.